This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. How are you doing tonight, Trav? Doing pretty good, Drew. We got a little change of scenery here tonight. We do. We do. You were kind enough to host the show tonight. Not literally host the show, but like... We're at Trav's house. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He is a nice guy. How are you doing today, Drew? Um, I'm doing good. Um, this is our like big time Christmas episode, so Here you, guys, it is. you guys should be getting ready for Christmas, and um, we're excited to bring this uh, second installment of uh, Home Alone to you guys today. Um, so well, like what I normally do, let's talk about some highest grossing movies of 1992. Because Home Alone 2 came out in 1992. There we go. I'm liking that number one spot right there. Batman Returns. We did mention this once before in the last podcast, but Batman Returns, number one. Number one. Number one. That's the one I'll get drive through. No, that's not I'll get drive through. No, that's the third that's one. No, that's This is Dad Go, Save Yourself. Dad, Dad Go. Dad Go, Save Yourself. <laughs> Cheap. Cheap. Uh, Lethal Weapon th- uh, t- 3 at number 2. Lethal Weapon 3 at number 2. <laughs> Made $144 million. Sister Act. I'm a fan of Sister Act. Uh, Sister Act again. <laughs> and Home Alone 2. Lost in New York is at number 4. Uh, Wayne's World coming in at number 5 with $120 million. That's a great movie. That's a great movie. That's a strong top 5. That is a very strong top 5. Uh, 1992 is a great year for movies, it seems like. And yes. it's especially good for Disney. Yeah. Uh, like... Uh, Aladdin came out in 92, $99 million. Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which is like a suspense thriller, which is number nine, Aladdin was number eight, also produced by Disney. I would not have seen that one coming. Definitely not. <laughs> we got Under Siege at number 10. Uh, love Me Some uh, uh, Steven Steven Seagal. Seagal. Love Me Some Seagal. Love me some cigar. We'll get to that one someday oh, for sure. Definitely. Uh, Beauty and the Beast at number 18. I can't believe Beauty and the Beast was only the 18th best movie of 1992. That is crazy. It seemed like it was a really big deal at the time. It made $72 million. Um, Hook, number 28. I love the movie Hook. Hook. I love that movie. Rufio. Rufio. Are you a fan of Hook, Trav? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Ladybugs, you gotta love that Ladybugs, right? Never seen Ladybugs. Never seen Ladybugs. <laughs> we'll definitely have to do that one. That was number eighty-two, and it made fourteen million dollars. Nice. It's got Jonathan Brandis in it, and he plays a cross-dressing uh, middle school soccer player. And Jonathan Brandis is. He is the lead in Neverending Story two. He hasn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> he's. Uh, you would recognize his face. I okay, can't think sure. of anything off the top of my head that he's also been in. But he was uh, in a whole bunch of stuff in the '90s. I'm sure uh, a grumpy old man will tell us what he was in. Uh, yeah, he definitely will. <laughs> um, but that was number 82, like I said. And Rodney Dangerfield's also in that one. So nice. you got to like that one. Cross-dressing preteens to play soccer Trouble to win. Team. I actually went and saw that movie as like one of my first dates ever. Nice. Yeah. I went and saw that in theater. Like, it was with a girl that I went to school with. And I was like, you want to go see a movie? (laughs) And so our parents (laughs) took us to a movie. Nice. Yeah. I was eight. Like, thinking about that, I'm like, I went to a movie with a girl at eight. That was like, that's the weirdest thing ever. Stud. That's the weirdest thing ever. Stud. That's the weirdest thing. I'll never forget that one. Never forget that one. Um, You know, before we get to the actual bulk of the podcast here, I'd like to personally thank all of our listeners. Me too. Um, We wouldn't be doing this show without you guys and the positive feedback that we get. Um, We just have one little thing that we'd like to ask from you. 
help us spread the word. So if you like this podcast and you know somebody that would also like this podcast, tell them about it. We'd love to grow our listenership and um, add listeners. That's the same thing, but yeah, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. If you, if the, you know they love the eighties and nineties, or you know they love movies, they've never even heard of a podcast. This is the one for them. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just like Trav says, even if they've never ever heard of a podcast. You tell them about this. Your grandma, tell her about tell it. Tell her about Your it. Your uncle that uh, is crazy and lives in the woods, tell him about it. I mean, let's face it, they're retired. True. We got 18 episodes worth of content. For True. <laughs> what else are they doing? Exactly. <laughs> so spread the word. Yeah, so thanks in advance for that. <laughs> oh, one other thing, Trav. Do you remember that Kirby episode that we talked about, long-term homework assignment? Man, that slipped the brain. Yeah, for a very good reason. Uh, we did record it. And it, it sucked. sucked. <laughs> it was really bad. So yeah, it was just bad. It was just terrible. So we will get back to that, um, but we're gonna just concentrate on the content that we have planned for now and um, get ready for the holiday season, like you are too, for sure. Um, and for all we know, all our episodes are bad. But this is the first <laughs> one that when we were done, we looked at each other and we just knew, yeah. Uh, we that both, wasn't good. We both walked out of the recording area, just heads hung low. Just ugh, it's that over. Was garbage. It's over. <laughs> I'm just hanging up now. It's done. Hang it up. That was it. It was a good run. <laughs> <laughs> um, and always, you guys can email us with questions, comments, suggestions, any of those things, anything you want. Recipes. I asked for recipes one time. Haven't gotten a single Still recipe. Got any recipe. But you can find us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail dot com. That's overdue homework podcast at gmail.com. Spelled just like it sounds. I don't know why I said that. Um, all the articles that I used in this uh, pod in getting ready for this podcast today um, are going to be available, links available in the show notes. And I used a couple articles from fatherly.com, one by Scarlett Harris and one by Cameron LeBlanc. Um, yardbarker.com, one by an article by Chris Morgan and an article from people.com by alexia fernandez thanks guys appreciate thanks, it guys. um i guess with that out of the way let's get to the national release date was november 20th 1992 um directed by christopher columbus the director not the explorer but i'm sure you knew that um, written by producer, written and produced by John Hughes, starring Macaulay Culkin, Catherine O'Hare, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Tim Curry, and Brenda Fricker. Fricker. I literally can't say enough about Tim Curry's performance in this movie. Tim Curry's amazing. I love Tim Curry like so much. God dang, Tim Curry. He's so funny. Just yeah. his facial expressions, the way he pronounces words, just everything about him in this movie, everything about his acting career is awesome and hilarious. 100%. And when I think of something that's missing from 2, there isn't much, but my mind goes to John Candy. I'm missing me some John Candy. But then you get Tim Curry. You do get, I mean, that's a that's a good, uh, like, that was the replacement character for John Candy, yeah, mostly. 100%. Yeah, no, so you, you, you give up some John Candy, but you get yourself some Tim Curry, and I'll take that uh, exchange. Had John Candy died by the time this movie came out? 
I'm not sure. I feel like he died in 92. I could be wrong. It might have been like 94, but uh, it was pretty early there in the 90s. So, yeah. I mean, he may not even been around for it. Right. Didn't even think about looking that up. I probably should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we really get into it, you want to take a moment and talk about the cameo elephant in the room in this movie? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Mr. Donald Trump. Uh, so, according to Columbus, the director, Christopher Columbus, Donald Trump's cameo in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, was initially planned. Planned uh, by the director uh, Christopher Columbus, so he's the one that wanted to do it. Like he was, it was his idea. Um, Columbus wanted to shoot a scene in the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, which was owned by Trump at the time. Uh, Trump said okay, so the production paid the fee for the shoot, and then Trump also said the only way you can use my plaza is if I'm in the movie. Right, and looking at your notes wasn't initially planned to be in here well that makes a lot more sense yeah than, uh... so he was not in there and trump's like nah the only way i'm doing this is if i can be in the movie that definitely makes a lot more sense than what i said um so but uh, to quote christopher columbus so we agreed to put him in the movie uh when we screened it for the first time the oddest thing happened people cheered when trump showed up on screen so i said to my editor leave him in uh, it's a moment for the audience. There we go. Uh, that surprises me. Yeah, that he, is crazy. He'd probably get the same amount of cheers right now if he was on screen, but it would be like half the audience. Right, right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Um, and coincidentally enough, Trump announced his 2024 presidential bid on November 15th, 2022, which was the premiere date of Home Alone 2. Oh, my God. So the national the national premiere was on November 20th, and then the actual like New York big star-studded gala was on the 15th of November. Right. So that's kind of funny. Coincidence, 30 years to the day? I think not. I think not, <laughs> Mr. Trump. <laughs> um, Canadian TV did uh, cut Donald Trump out of Home Alone 2. That's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, when Macaulay Culkin was asked about it, he said that he doesn't think that Trump should be cut out uh, of the Disney Plus version. And so he's in it. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Macaulay. Thank you, Macaulay. Um, are you ready to break it down? Let's break it down. Let's break it down. So we get in that opening sequence. Um, I love the opening animation. It's like a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. Yeah. You get uh, the same graphic logo pulling back, you know, with the same music, but this time it's flanked by uh, the New York City skyline, uh, Twin Towers included. And, you know, they yeah. make a couple of cameos in this movie. Um, it's pretty emotional anytime you see them on TV. I know we spoke about this before, but uh, it always strikes me, especially when Kevin is on top of them. Right. Dang, yeah. I was like, okay, that's somber. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the same great music as always. It's John Williams again. Um, we immediately get to see the familiar hustle and bustle of the McAllister home getting ready for another Christmas vacation, uh, this time to Florida. Um, all the McAllisters return for the sequel except for Kevin's oldest sister, Linnae. Linny, Linny, Linnea, Linny, who was played by a different actor. So it was the actress that uh, uh, Les Incompetentes, she, oh, did, she sure, did not come back sure. for the movie. Uh, well, we start off in Kate and Peter's bedroom again. Uh, Kevin has his talk boy and is uh, watching a game show on TV. The talk boy wasn't a thing until the movie was made. Right. Everybody loved it. And then yeah. they're like, oh, I guess Mattel's like, we'll make it. Then. Yeah, we'll make it. <laughs> Charge twenty nine ninety nine for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever it was. I don't know how much it actually was. but Deal. Deal. <laughs> 
so, yep, Kevin's watching that game show in his parents' bed, and it turns out uh, he's uh, recording some audio, and it's going to play a big part in the movie, him using that talk boy and recording audio, just like in the first movie, uh, using having fun with real audio is a big part of Kevin's deal. Yep. Uh, Kate does ask Kevin if he's packed and uh, shows him a gift from his grandma, Penelope. Uh, It's an inflatable clown for the pool. Kevin is less than excited for that inflatable (laughs) clown. (laughs) Little did he know how badly he would need it. Exactly. Uh, Kevin is seriously concerned, though, with the lack of Christmas trees in Florida. Um, They still celebrate Christmas in Florida, right? Right. (laughs) So... What is it with uh, you and Christmas trees? (laughs) But Kate just basically says, well, you can decorate a palm tree then. Yeah. Even though there's plenty of fake Christmas trees and probably even real Christmas trees in Florida. I would assume. (laughs) Kevin is continuing to record the TV and happens to record the commercial for the Plaza Hotel, um, including the hotel's phone number. Thanks for the commercial foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. (laughs) And get enter Peter looking for the battery for the camcorder. It's on the charger. And then Peter proceeds to unplug everything to uh, To uh, pull that out and then plug it right back in. And uh, reset the clock. Like, it it only his, though. Only his. So they must rely on one alarm in that household. Apparently. That's my big problem with this (laughs) beginning scene because we push past all the nonsense in the first one. Okay, the power went out. No kid woke up early. No adult woke up early. The whole family missed it. All right. This one, it's only their alarm. It's only So the theirs. very next year, no one thought, I'm going to go to bed super early to right. make sure we get up. No other alarm clocks are in this entire house. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie can uh, happen. So the movie can happen. Uh, Peter does tell Kevin to go get his tie from the bathroom. Uh, Frank is in the shower, though. So that's uh, Kevin Yikes. does not want to go in there. Frank told Kevin that if he ever saw him naked, Kevin would grow up not feeling like a man. Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Peter just tells Kevin, just go in there, grab your tie, don't look at anything. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin just, uh, he's got to take that opportunity to uh, get some more audio for later in the movie. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> get out of here, you little pervert. I'll slap you silly. <laughs> And now the McAllisters are headed to the Christmas pageant. Uh, Kevin Solo is coming up. Uh, he's got the voice of an angel. Of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Buzz makes Kevin look like a dummy. And uh, so Kevin does the only Kevin thing that he can do and pushes Buzz off the back of the risers. Which is exactly what anybody would do, correct? Exactly. And why is this so funny? I don't know. Like, I initially thought that it was like a fantasy. When I saw this again, I was oh, like, yeah. I thought he was having like a daydream when he's like getting ready to have his solo and he right. thought that this was going to happen to him. That would make way more sense. Yeah, because everybody was laughing. Everybody. <laughs> Come on. Other than his parents, the whole audience is just roaring laughing <laughs> like it's the funniest thing ever because he lit his ears up with the candles. Yep. And maybe played the drums on his head a little bit with him. But I mean, that yeah. was about it. That was the only funny-ish part. And they were already dying by that point. But Some yeah, fr- I can understand wiener frank laughing but the whole audience no no (laughs) how about that elderly uh pianist that got knocked off of her uh uh, whatever her bench like she died right yeah she's dead so (laughs) definitely moving on (laughs) uh but you know everybody gets knocked down all those set pieces get knocked down and then the curtains close as kate's screaming kevin 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 it's our first kevin of the whole movie i'm pretty sure right that's the first kevin of the movie 
Um, yeah, it's absurd and, and it's just absurd and so unrealistic. The laughing, everybody laughing, everybody like everybody, hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get back home with the McAllister and Buzz's apology. Uh, my prank was immature and ill time. Frank thought it was funny though because he's a wiener. Yeah, because he's a wiener. <laughs> I'd also like to apologize to my brother, uh, Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Kate tells Buzz that his apology was very nice. Was I don't know how nice. I don't know how any of them bought it, but they did. Seriously, <laughs> like we talked about this in the first movie. How does he just get away with everything? And now we're a year later. He's been more of a mischievous, troubled teen, <laughs> and still they just buy this crap. It's yeah, that's a suspension of disbelief. Even if you want to pretend like <laughs> Kevin pushing him was way worse than what he did, yeah. Still. Still. Come no, on. I agree with you. <laughs> uh, so, but ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, probably not. Kate expects an apology from Kevin to the whole family. Yeah. A ho- the whole family for defending himself. Yeah, I love this camera shot of his point of view as they're all just <laughs> like, um, let's go, you little hello, brat. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, but Kevin definitely is not going to do that. No. Uh, I did what I did because Buzz humiliated me. I yeah. mean, obviously, right? I mean, it's his his reaction was reasonable. <laughs> Very reasonable. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Frank says, "You better not ruin this vacation for me." Oh no, wait, that's a little bit later. It wasn't at that point. Uh, he Kevin says, "I don't care if uh, your stupid trip gets ruined. I want to spend Christmas in. A, I wouldn't want to spend Christmas in a tropical climate, anyways." Right. And then he wants to storm off. Uh, but uh, Kevin. If you walk out that door, you're sleeping on the third floor. With Fuller. Yeah, with Fuller. Uh, yeah, what else is new? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that what happened last year? And then Frank does say at this time, you better not ruin my trip. Your dad paid good money for it. I'd hate to ruin your trip, Mr. Cheapskate. Mr. Cheapskate. <laughs> and Frank is just stunned, but he doesn't defend himself because he knows it's true. Right. <laughs> So up to the attic, Kevin goes. Uh, Kate comes up the stairs to remind Kevin that this is a lot like last year, and Kevin is basically like, yep, I hope it happens all over again. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Uh, Yeah, and so, so far, this movie is a beat-for-beat remake, practically. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the whole thing is kind of a beat-for-beat remake, but that's okay. That's okay. One random thing that I find funny, it kind of happened in TMNT, too, with the Domino's and then Pizza Hut. Yep. Uh, this first one had Pepsi, and now Fuller's drinking Coke. I noticed that also. Um, I noticed that also. That's uh, Coca-Cola came with the cash, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> yep. Um, with Kevin up in the attic now, we get another windy night before they leave for Florida, and we find out that the Wet Bandits have escaped prison. I love when random newspapers give me vital information in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And at first I was like, why is this happening here? But, oh, right, they're in Chicago where they were arrested. Yeah, exactly. I got it, I got it. Um, I did pause the movie on that scene to see if I could, like, see anything else in the newspaper. It was just, like, a legit newspaper. There's, like, a story about the Bulls and, like, a story about politics. I was like, oh, so it's nothing special. Yeah. yeah. I I thought maybe there'd be a little Easter egg in there or something, but there wasn't. Uh, the next morning, guess what? We did it again! We did it again! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that long jockey gets smoked again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just destroyed. <laughs> I think it. you see its foot break off even, so I'm pretty sure that's it for that long jockey. Yep. Uh, as uh, Kate and her sister-in-law, which I can't remember her name. She looks like a Karen. What is her name? Kate's sister-in-law. So, Frank's wife. 
Yeah, I can't think of I her name. I can't think of her name at all. That's that's funny. Um, 14 tickets? Yep, 14 because Rob's uh, daughter's not coming with this time. Oh, where's Kevin? He's in the front seat. Front seat. <laughs> Good thing I have my own ticket. Well, you had your own ticket last time, too, yeah. kid. <laughs> Just ended up in the garbage. Uh, they make it to the airport. It's gate H-17. And that one's the, of course, it's the one all the way down at the end of the concourse. Of course. <laughs> and they're off running through the airport. Uh, Kevin conveniently grabs his dad bag, his dad's bag because it has the batteries in it and a wad of cash. A wad of cash. credit cards and all that fun stuff. Uh, Kevin is falling behind and stops to put some batteries in his talk boy because, yeah, that's what he would do, right? right. Makes sense. Just yep. jam those batteries in there. Look like it took about 12 C-cell batteries or whatever <laughs> it was, right? <laughs> uh, but his family quickly get out of sight. Uh, Kevin uh, ends up confusing another dude for his dad. And he's yep. like, Dad, wait. Dad, wait. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the McAllisters get on their flight minus Kevin, only because they got rushed into the plane. And that, uh, uh, I don't know, he's a gate worker, was like, I'll make sure everybody gets on the plane. Well, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't, <laughs> you, you didn't, jackass. You didn't do it. <laughs> Kevin then gets on the wrong flight also uh, because he runs into that woman, the gate lady, and knocks all of the boarding passes down. And yeah. then the other dude's like, are you sure you're on this flight? And he's like, yeah, my dad just went in there. Bored him. <laughs> yeah, bored him, but make sure he finds his family first. Oh, that is. Takes su- him in, points to a guy. Yep, good enough for me. Go find a seat, <laughs> little child. Yeah, go find a seat. Uh, Kevin does kind of like scan the plane for his family. Should have been an immediate red flag when there's right. 14 of them flying together and he doesn't see a single one of them. Yeah, he and would he, hear one of he them. He would hear, see, the oh, hey, Kevin. Yeah. You know, it would be something like that. A little think. trout sniffer. Yeah. Uh, he uh, ends up sitting next to that French guy. Have you ever been to Florida? <laughs> and the dude just talking French. You'd think that after uh, 30 seconds of Kevin staring blankly at him, he'd be like, Parlez français? <laughs> and Kevin would be like, yeah, no. And then he would be like, okay, I'm going to go back to my newspaper. Right. But he has to keep rambling so that Kevin puts on the headphones yep. so he misses the nonstop flight exactly. to New York. This is American Airlines Flight 176, nonstop to New York. <laughs> See you later, Kevin. Uh, on the McAllister's flight, Kate has that feeling again. It's just bad memories, though, right? Oh, 100%. We have nothing to worry about. Of course not. <laughs> now we're in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> there are no other McAllisters at the gate. Uh, uh, where are those guys? <laughs> Not anywhere near you, Kevin. Uh, back in Florida quickly. Uh, we get the funny bit with Kevin's bag. You know, give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Makes it all the way down to Fuller. Uh, there's no Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's not here. All the way Kevin's back. Not here. Kevin's not here. <laughs> Kevin's not here. Kevin. What? Yeah. And then the best Kevin of the movie because oh. she faints. Kevin! For sure. That's the best Kevin of the, the movie. The best is that she hands it to Peter and it <laughs> takes him saying what for her to <laughs> laugh and go, Kevin! She's like in main focus in that shot so you can't really tell what's going on behind her but you can see all the fuzzy shapes of everybody behind her, like, turn and look at her. Right. It's pretty, everybody freezes and looks. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I like that a lot. Best Kevin of the movie. And this is super random, but when Kevin gets off in New York, the ticket lady, or the front desk chick, then he asks where they're at, when he goes, what's the city out there? And she says New York. 
I'm like, man, does she look familiar? And she is in Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's Ali Sheedy. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy, right? She was a friend of John Hughes. And so That's cool. John Hughes was like, yeah, come on. Because she, I mean, she was in all those Hughes movies. Yeah. Mom was in Breakfast Club for sure. Back in New York City, uh, the Windy Apple. Thanks, Homer. Uh, Kevin realizes that he's at the wrong place. We meet Ali Sheedy. And uh, what city is this? She says, New York. Come on, kid. And he's like, yikes. I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then... We get a similar thing to my. F- I made my family disappear from Home Alone one. Right. He's sitting in the concourse. You see the tarmac behind him, and Kevin says, "My family's in Florida, and I'm in New York." My family's in Florida, and I'm in New York. <laughs> uh, time to see the city and pick up some fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> he made the best out of a bad situation. Um, I don't think if I was a he's. Is he 10 in this movie now? That's what my guess was. So he never says, Kate does say at one point that this is, that they lost Kevin last Christmas. Right. So. He's clearly older than that in real life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So I guess. And Buzz too. You know, like he looks way older than a year difference. Buzz looks like a 25 year old. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a 25 year old. Um, So yeah, Kevin picked up those fireworks and uh, he's off to the World Trade Center and at the very top. And I just had that reaction like we already spoke about. Just wow. Just wow. Like. I feel like you forget how represented they were in so Man. many movies. Yeah, it's yeah. It, I, honestly, it was an emotional moment for me. Yeah. like it really was. Um, now we're at the Florida airport with security. This guy, this guy, this guy, this, this, guy, <laughs> this guy. He is not a fan of Peter and Kate one bit. No. <laughs> Has this ever happened before? Well, it's becoming a bit of a McAllister family tradition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kate and Peter get a pretty good laugh out of that, but uh, no. And then the good line too. Funnily enough, uh, we never lose our luggage. Knock on wood. They both knock on. <laughs> Wood and laugh. That cop is, he has no time for this. Uh, no, he says, uh, we'll call Chicago. Odds are that's where he is. It's very unlikely that he'd be anywhere else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But now we get to see Marvin Harry for the first time since we've learned that they were out of prison and they're in a fish truck, right? Yep. Uh, you smell that, Marv? It's fish. Fish. <laughs> that's money. <laughs> and then he leaves. It's, it's and fish, fish and fish. <laughs> One quick score to get a couple and get a couple of passports and hightail it up to some foreign country. Arizona? <laughs> and then that stupid, stupid tape glove. The stupid <laughs> tape glove. Yeah, it's stupid. You broke out of jail to steal 14 cents. Every little bit helps. <laughs> and now we also get to find out that they are the Sticky Bandits the now. Sticky Bandits. That's <laughs> S-T. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Stern in this movie is great. He He's kinda, amazing. He kind of steals the show. Isn't he even better than the first one? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is. In the first one, I really preferred Harry. Sure. And in the second one, Marv is the much better character oh, of the God. two. Marv, so yeah, good. It's very good. He really took the idea of this movie being way more cartoonish yes. and ran with it. His physical comedy is really good. 100%. Absolutely love it. Uh, Central Park with Kevin, and he spots the Plaza Hotel and the Pigeon Lady. She turns around slowly. He looks at her. Sick. Sick. <laughs> what a 90s thing to say. Yeah, sick. Sick. <laughs> Is that like 
Because she's dirty and has pigeon poop on her? Or I guess. I don't really, I don't understand the sick. Sick. Yeah, it wasn't a good sick. It was a bad sick. Yeah. Like, that wasn't, that kickflip was sick. And no, <laughs> yeah. she was sick. Sick. <laughs> so naturally, Kevin runs away because that's what he does when he's faced with any type of fear. Exactly. Uh, so this is our old old man Marley counterpart in this movie, basically. Yep. That uh, grandfatherly figure that uh, Kevin needs, that uh, little bit of direction that he needs throughout the movie. Right. Um, so naturally Kevin runs away and we get that cool shot with the statue of Napoleon pointing at Kevin and pointing the way, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> I really liked that shot. It was really cool. Um, Marv and Harry pass Kevin and they actually bump shoulders with Kevin and all Harry has to say is, I thought I saw something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would have recognized him immediately. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marv gets slapped for the first time. Uh, pardon me, mon chéri, <laughs> right? And then slapped because his hand stuck to her purse, right? She makes an, a, another appearance a little bit later. Uh, now we're at the plaza, and Donald Trump makes his appearance. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. I can't do a Trump. I tried. That's pretty I, I tried before, and I gave up on it after one word. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I can't pull a Trump impression out of my pocket. Uh, down the hall and to the left. It got worse. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded more like this. Down the hall and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> How much better would it have been if Arnold was Donald Trump's character in this? Yes. <laughs> it should have been Arnold. Oh, it should have been Arnold. And then he should have been like in the movie a lot more. Way or more. Arnold. I'd hate to get rid of Tim Curry, but Arnold as Hector, Tim Curry's character. Oh, my gosh. Just screaming at Kevin the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It'd be pretty funny. That would be funny. I guess if you insert Arnold into any movie of the time, pretty funny. Pretty funny. <laughs> um, so Kevin gets there and he's like, I'm going to go to a payphone and I'm going to call and I'm going to make a reservation. So he records himself on his talk boy and he's planning on slowing down that audio. Uh, pretty ingenious for pretty ingenious. for a kid to think of. Uh, his impression of Peter in the slow down audio did just make it sound like a drunk dude was calling. Yeah. And even the way he was talking, I want one of those rooms with the key for the snacks. <laughs> like, All right, drunkie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, drunkie. Uh, but the, she's just like, you got it, you know. Kevin's at the check-in counter, and a very convincing con pulled by Kevin to actually get into the room. Oh, yeah. Uh, way to go, Kevin. Uh, first, he makes her look like an idiot. Ma'am, my feet are barely touching the ground. Do you think I can make a hotel reservation? I don't think so. I don't think so. And then he proves he can pay, just hands over that credit card, and even uh, Hester is the woman's name, uh, is like, oh, okay, credit card from a kid, a little suspicious, but okay. But I'll run it. We need the money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, and then he makes a joke to relieve the stress, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I can get into a little bit of uh, get into a little bit of mischief, like we, all of us. We all do. <laughs> uh, what a lovable rapscallion. Yeah, a little rapscallion. <laughs> Uh, Kate and Peter having no luck with the airport security in Florida. Uh, the dude's like, no sign of him. Finally, Peter realizes at this point, though, that his wallet's missing. Yep. Like, you didn't need your wallet at any point that through this whole, whole time. This whole time. The it's whole family whole depends on you to get everyone awake in the morning, but you didn't need to pull out a cent to help the family <laughs> this whole time. Okay. <laughs> But that gives everybody the, they all have that epiphany at the same time. Call the credit card company, report it stolen, then we'll know if it gets used. And then one of my favorite parts of the movie, oh, I don't think Kevin even knows how to use a credit card. Shink, shink. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> Cuts that. Cuts to that shink, I, shink. I love that. Do you remember that from your youth, those carbon yep. copy credit card machines? Yeah, when I worked at GameStop, we actually had one for if 
the internet went down or whatever, and <laughs> I, I had to whip that out one night and shink, shink. Oh, I man. definitely had some Macaulay Culkin vibes. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's just one of those things. Like you don't think about those things at all, at like, all. And then you see one, and you're like, "Wow!" Yeah, like, if a kid watches that now, they're gonna be like, "What the hell is that? Why did he put the credit Wh- card? Why in did there? he put the credit card in that? Where does he type in his pin? Yeah, <laughs> is that the tap in the nineties? <laughs> uh, I love that. That's hilarious. Um, but as uh, Hester Stone, Hester Stone is her name. I got her name off of her name tag. Hester Stone. Hester Stone. Uh, at the front desk, she takes the carbon copy, and Kevin says, wow, it worked. It worked. <laughs> and she's like, what? She's like, suspicious, but okay. <laughs> Hector has his eye, has her eye, oh, Hector has his eye, Hector, Hester, Hector, Hester. Hector, Hester. Hector has his eye on Kevin, though. I mean, he's been watching him basically since he walked in, because the Plaza Hotel is a very expensive hotel, and normally children aren't unattended in the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, I would assume. I, I would assume. He's uh, a first. Yeah, but uh, Cedric, and Cedric's standing there also, and he's counting his tips. Cedric, don't count your tips in public, and find out all you can about that young fellow. <laughs> Cedric and Kevin. Uh, Herbert Hoover once stayed on this floor. The vacuum guy? (laughs) (laughs) No, the president. (laughs) Then they get into the room. This is one of our finest suites, sir. Luxurious and spacious. Uh, But while Kevin is checking out the place, Cedric is trying to snoop into Kevin's bag. Not very successfully, by the way. He checks out that his name is Kevin McAllister. Well, that it's Peter McAllister's bag, I should say. Right. Um, Kevin busts him looking in the bag, and Cedric asks Kevin if he needs anything else. Um, So then he's standing there, Cedric, standing there, you know, rubbing his fingers together for a tip, and he gets a piece of the worst gum in history. (laughs) The worst gum. We actually (laughs) just talked about this. Fruit stripe gum. Fruit stripe gum. Horrible. Terrible, terrible gum. Can you can still buy it today can you i believe so don't buy it don't buy it you can (laughs) but don't do it unless you like having a new piece of gum every 30 seconds and let's talk a little about cedric here you literally just searched through this kid's bag he caught you and now you're asking for a tip (laughs) good point good point (laughs) what the hell (laughs) good point like seriously yeah he's got no shame with that no shame no shame whatsoever Kevin, taking advantage of the situation, though, heads down to the pool. Um, would it bother anyone if I practice my cannonballs? Middle-aged guy, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the hot tub anyway. Yep, and then Kevin loses those trunks. Uh, completely superfluous scene in this movie. No need for it whatsoever. No. There was no need to like relieve tension with a little bit of comedy, like... I don't know why it's even in the movie. Totally random. Exactly. But... This movie did not need to be almost two hours long. Agreed. It did not. Need There's to be a scene that could have been cut. Yes, right there. that could have been easily cut. See you later. That scene. I mean, it would have saved what thirty seconds, but still, still, <laughs> still. And now it's movie time. Back up in the hotel room, we got the the four movies, three movies: Flybait, Muttville Massacre, and Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> and of course, I love that. yeah, of course, that's the one he's watching, right? Obviously. Um, ice cream again, just like the last movie. So, I mean, still pretty much beat for beat at this point. And the room service guy has, like, no question in his mind that this kid's watching Angels with even <laughs> right. filthier souls. Like, oh, another scoop. <laughs> another scoop. Make it three. <laughs> I'm not driving. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good line. 
So the angels with filthier souls, I don't think it works as well in this movie as the angels with filthy souls works in the first movie. No, not as believable. No, not as believable. You can even tell that like the we talked about the the way the first one was shot for Home Alone one. They used like older technology. You can tell that that wasn't used in this right. one. Right, hundred percent. It's there's some funny instances with that fun with real audio that Kevin does, but I think it's just it's better in the first one. Yeah, it works on Marv better. It does work on Marv better, uh, but. We get Hector being sneaky now. Uh, so this trap that Kevin sets up, it's all pre-set up, right? Yeah. Completely set up. He did it like what forethought from a 10-year-old to think about, I got to set up a, a trap just in case. Yeah. Just in case. He goes to the pool. And he doesn't bring the inflatable clown because it's already inflated in the shower. <laughs> hey, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Way to go. I like that, Trev. Um uh, Hector, when he does sneak into the bathroom, he is very puzzled by that clown. Very puzzled. It's uh, not super believable, but it was enough to to fake out Hector. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that uh, audio saved the day. Uh, get out of here, you little pervert. <laughs> so, I'm going to slap you, silly. <laughs> Uh, man, but then we're back with the rest of the McAllisters not having a great time in Florida. They got lots of rain, and uh, obviously Frank uh, recommended this location for their vacation because he says it didn't look this bad on our honeymoon. What a wiener. Yeah, thanks a lot, Frank. <laughs> but thankful, <laughs> thankfully we get to go back to Kevin at the plaza. Um, he thinks to call his Uncle Rob, which was a very smart thing to do. Uh, genius. I mean, very smart. Luckily, he does have his dad's like pocketbook with him with at the time you would keep all of your family's addresses and phone numbers in because yep. you didn't have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> but he is reminiscing on the photo that is also in there, and um, he gets inspired by a harp. That's what we hear, at least. Kevin doesn't hear it, obviously. <laughs> and he gets up and goes to the window. Kevin enjoys looking out windows, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he loves him some windows. <laughs> and he sees that star, and uh, that's... Did we know at that point that that was the children's hospital? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think we know until like the very end of the movie that that's actually the children's yeah. hospital. Um, but we get that really heartwarming moment with Kevin and his mom where Kevin's looking out the window and he says good night mom because he's feeling sorry and somber and uh, lonely i'm sure at the time and then as kevin is fading out kate's fading in and she gets to say good night to kevin and it's a good point in the movie lots of heart it, lots of heart the, the heart in this movie is less organic feeling and more like this is a scene to make you like feel you know have right. the feels about this movie correct i don't know it seemed more worked into the movie for home alone one uh, but the next morning, the sun's rising over New York City, and Kevin gets a knock at his hotel door. Your drawers, sir. <laughs> Jeez, don't flash these babies around. There could be girls on this floor. Yeah. <laughs> on, I, was, I was very careful. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he's doing his tip thing again, right? And Kevin says, oh, I'm sorry. You wanted a tip? Uh, that won't be necessary. I still have some tip left over. Uh, no tip? He's holding a wad of 50s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Kevin just no, no, no. shuts the door on him. <laughs> but uh, Kevin goes down to the lobby soon there after that, and uh, a limo and a pizza, your cheese pizza, <laughs> is waiting for him. 
the exchange between him and Hector is amazing here. <laughs> like is. he set everything up so perfectly. <laughs> Where's your dad? He's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's already gone. <laughs> I do hope your father understands that I was just checking on the room to make sure everything was in order. I don't uh, know. He was pretty <laughs> mad. <laughs> I was hoping to make an, a personal apology to him. You won't be seeing him for the rest of the trip. <laughs> Have a lovely day. Yeah, and then he says, if you want in on him, would he or would you want to see him? I suppose not. <laughs> Just, man, this kid is a genius. He, he really is. Um, Hector is obviously still suspicious of Kevin and decides to run the imprint, the imprint of the credit card that they have on file. Um, you can hear the modem dialing in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love that. And then big red letters on the device. I'm processing. <laughs> How long do you think it took in 1992 to process a credit card? Probably a few minutes I over at dial up. Two, three minutes ish. It's probably less than a 14K modem. Yeah. <laughs> no 56K in 1992. <laughs> no. 1K modem. Yeah. Uh, Kevin hits the streets uh, in the limo eating his cheese pizza. Uh, you know any good Toy Story? <laughs> I know just the place. Nope, just the place. Um, but then we're back with uh, Hector real quick. Big red letters on that device. Stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and man, does he look like the Grinch. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> and they do. They transition from Kevin watching the Grinch in the... Into Tim Curry yeah. smiling at the stolen. Yeah, thing. that was great. That yeah. was really great. I did notice that also. I, even my daughter noticed that. Yeah. She goes, he looks like the Grinch. And I was like, <laughs> way to go, kiddo. There you go. <laughs> Hector does love the, like, he is reveling in the fact that the card is stolen. He's like, I knew it. I knew it all along. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Marv and Harry are at the ice rink now in Central Park, uh, trying to find the right place that they want to rob, while Marv is stealing articles of clothing off the bodies of other skaters, and not a one of them noticed that he's stealing stuff from their bodies. Yeah, noticed or went and told their parents, like, not a single set of parents, like, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Give me, give my kid his gloves back. They don't fit you anyway. <laughs> and even the woman that he steals the scarf from, she should have turned around immediately and be like, give me my scarf back. Yeah, it's like, nope, she's somehow stuck circling this ice rink before she can get back to him again. Uh, they do decide that they're going to rob a toy store. There's nobody dumb enough to knock over a toy store on Christmas Eve. Oh, yes, there is, Marv. <laughs> and then he points at himself and points <laughs> at Harry. Oh, boy. I love that. I absolutely love that. But we get Kevin at Duncan's toy chest. It was inspired by FAO Schwartz in Manhattan, which no longer exists. That's where that famous scene in Big was filmed, was that FAO oh, okay. Schwartz. There used to be one at the Mall of America, so local tie there. Yeah. But it doesn't exist anymore. It was the nation's oldest toy store, and the last one closed in New York City, I think. 2020, 2019, I think it was pre-pandemic. Sure. Maybe the pandemic put the final nail in the coffin yeah. for it. It could have been. Who knows? That Those few years are quite the blur. Quite the blur. <laughs> it wasn't, a, obviously, it wasn't Duncan's Toy Chest wasn't a real store. Um, all of the kids in the toy story, the, the toy store scene got to keep a memento from the set, one of the toys that were there. So that's, that's kind of cool. cool. All the extra actors. It was pretty majestic, though, while he was walking around. Oh, yeah. Very majestic. 100%. Uh, Kevin absolutely loves it. Um, it seems to me, though, like there were toys there, but there weren't like a lot of like actual toys. Right. It was yeah. like model houses and like large ma large uh, Ferris wheels yeah. and stuff. So like gadgets yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, they are toys, but they're not like 
toys. Yeah. Not you would think that you, a kid would want. Like, where's the Ninja Turtle stuff? Yeah, where's the Ninja Turtle <laughs> stuff, dude? I don't want this three-foot Ferris wheel in my room. Oh, look at it go round and round. That's yeah. great. <laughs> this would be cooler if I had the Ninja Turtles on there. Uh, Marv and Harry are at that toy store too, though, and they're hiding yep. in some of the toy houses. Uh, they're going to stay there all night until the store closes and empty the registers and walk out, rock, walk right out like they own the place. Well, yeah. Um, they're hiding in plain sight again, which is okay. But uh, and are they pretending to be mannequins when the people walk by? <laughs> I think so. And people are buying it. They're buying it. I would assume that you could probably smell them. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that they look like really dirty humans. Yeah. They're dirty. They're from jail. They're wearing the same clothes they had before they were in jail. Somehow they escaped with those same clothes on. Yes. And they were just in a fish truck. So I'm thinking they don't smell very good. I forgot about the fish truck. Fish truck. They definitely stink. Yeah, they, they are horrible. <laughs> they definitely stink. Um, Kevin found a few things in the store that he wanted to buy. Um, a pocket knife, a map of Manhattan, and some monster sap soap. That's what it said on the bottle, I'm pretty sure. Monster sap soap. Uh, yeah, I, I guess the the map is a, is a good thing for him to buy. Like, he physically needs it to like yeah. get around the city, but... Uh, he's got a big wad of cash in his hands and he's at a toy store and he buys a pocket knife, a map, and the soap. The like, soap. Like, uh, uh, which the he drops the pocket knife in the map almost immediately after he's outside and I, I don't think he ever picks it up. I don't think so he, either. He leaves, he leaves the store after he has like a, uh, a little... Uh, talk with uh, Mr. Duncan which we don't know at the time that it's Mr. Duncan but yeah. we find out it is later um, so he asks him Mr. Duncan asks him are you shopping alone he says in New York Mr. Duncan says just checking <laughs> then he wants to know where'd you get all that money kid uh, I got lots of grandmas well that explains it That explains <laughs> uh, Kevin uh, compliments Mr. Duncan on his toy store uh, Duncan says he loves kids as a matter of fact all the money the store makes today is being donated to the Children's Hospital. What a great guy. What a great guy. What a great guy. The day after Christmas, Mr. Duncan empties out the register. So at this point, he's still putting on the ruse that he is not Mr. Duncan, which I don't know why he wouldn't just be like, that's me, you know, but whatever. Right. Uh, empties out the registers and brings that money down to the Children's Hospital. Um, so Marv and Harry, we find out at this point, are going to be stealing from sick children. <laughs> yeah. That's their master plan. You'd think that they'd have a little bit of a conscience to not steal from sick children, but they are criminals, so... They are criminals. Yeah, yeah that's the way you go. They definitely make it so you are not rooting for Harry and Marv. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. That is true. Uh, Kevin donates 20 bucks for the sick kids and gets two turtle doves, one for himself and one for someone special. Kevin, as he's leaving the store, sees the painting of Mr. Duncan on the wall. Oh, dang, the old dude was Mr. Duncan. Oh. <laughs> Kevin turns back and he's gone. He's gone. So are they alluding to... I mean, that's kind of like the the Santa... Like, kind of alluding kinda, to the yeah. Santa thing. I don't know. Uh, I thought it was weird that he was gone. He must have just had to, like, do something. He's He is running a store. So. True. That's true. <laughs> Kevin leaves Duncan's, and Marv and Harry are not too far behind him. Uh, they do spot Kevin, and they sprint over, abduct him, and kill him. Roll credits. <laughs> Roll credits. Whoa. <laughs> what version did you watch? 
<laughs> you would think with the hate that they have, that's probably what would have happened. Oh, uh, no, yes. they, they just saunter over. Yep. <laughs> Hiya, pal. <laughs> I'm do. I I am glad that uh, uh, Harry got to use that uh, his catchphrase. Yeah, that's his catchphrase. But just as Marv is going to grab him, Kevin screams and escapes, and the now sticky bandits give chase. Uh, time for a mini trap. Uh, Kevin buys some fake pearls real quick. He's like, I know how to get these guys. I'm going <laughs> yeah. tra- to set up a trap. Um, and then splits them up and busts up the, the pearls and they fall on them. Kevin goes, yes. <laughs> Patented Kevin. Patented Kevin. Kevin does make it back to the plaza, but Hector is no help. Uh, help, there's two guys after me. Uh, what's the matter? The store wouldn't take your stolen credit card? Let's see what the police have to say about this. So Kevin's like, well, I guess I'm out of here, and just <laughs> runs into the hotel real quick. Yep. Hector does give chase. Uh, get back here, you little thief. Uh, Kevin puts a good move on Cedric, totally jukes him out, and then Hector and Cedric just basically run into each other. Yep. Um, and then at this point, uh, Kevin is now running straight towards Hester. He does another. He must have like some. He must have a special ability. Like if he has a superpower, it's the ability to slide on surfaces. Yeah, <laughs> he slides forever. Longer than any other human. <laughs> and on carpet, he slides. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> he slides right through her legs. Uh, Hector and uh, Cedric and Hester all end up on the floor. Um, so Kevin, he hits the elevator button number four, and just as he's doing that. Hector sitting up and says, you little shh. He should have just gone for it. Should have gone for it. Just give me the full on. Just give it. Get that PG-13 rating. Yep. (laughs) Kevin makes it up to his room and he's grabbing everything he can. Um, I've had enough of this vacation. I'm going home. Uh, Hector and crew enter the room and we get another fun with real audio segment. (laughs) Stop right there. It's the concierge, sir. <laughs> I knew it was you. I could smell you once you got off the elevator. And Hector's just like, oh, what? Like, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, you were here and you were smooching with my brother. In fact, you were smooching with everyone. Hector's looking all around and he starts listing all the names. What is the name of the old dude? Is it Gary? Cliff. Cliff. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was. Bony Bob. <laughs> Cliff. <laughs> no, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I got a good kick out of that get on your knees and tell me you love me I had a real problem the first time he said that line in the movie to the woman I was like yeah uh, that's a that, yeah I definitely <laughs> noticed that as well <laughs> pushing past that in a Christmas movie <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, so they actually do that and Kevin gets a hell of a laugh out of it. I mean, it is pretty funny. All five of them, all six of them on the floor. Yeah. Um, and then you get the line at the end of the angels with filthier souls. You got to the count of three to get out of here. And of course he goes one, two, shoots them up. Well, not really shooting them up. Right. Uh, they all run out and Kevin makes his escape. Uh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a happy new year. And then instead of running for them, running for their lives or locking their doors, everybody else that heard gunshots is out in the hallway. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin is escaping out to the loading dock and right into the arms of the sticky bandits. They obviously plan on killing Kevin. Uh, Marv does tell Kevin their entire plan. In <laughs> perfect Marv style. I love that. Uh, Marv and Harry at this point are taking care uh, Kevin to a subway tunnel and to kill him, presumably, um, when they decide to wait for the right-of-way to cross the street. Yeah. <laughs> just, okay. just, just, 
Um, they just happen to be right behind the same woman from the beginning of the movie. And uh, Kevin grabs her butt. I mean, okay, I get it. They got punched in the face so Kevin can escape, but eh, maybe Kevin shouldn't grab her butt. Maybe he shouldn't <laughs> grab her butt. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't grab her butt. Uh, she does punch them both this time, which is pretty good. It wasn't just a slap and knocks them both to the ground. She must uh, have some training, right? Some yeah, self-defense clearly. training. <laughs> Uh, but Kevin escapes. Uh, he hitches a ride in Central Park on the, on a horse-drawn carriage. Marvin and Harry are thinking that uh, Kevin tried to blend in with the group of kids, um, which obviously wasn't the case because Kevin's long gone by this time. Um, Harry says, uh, we should have shot him when we had the chance. Harry, relax. He's alone in a park. Kids are as scared of the park. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, grown men go into the park and they don't leave alive. Good luck, little fella. <laughs> there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot of Marvin Harry in this movie so far. At so this far, point. yeah. Um, but we're back with the McAllisters in Florida. It's still raining and they're all in the same hotel room. All 13 of them are jammed in that same hotel room. I realize they want to get everybody in the shot, but those older teens would have been like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going to go yeah. sit in my room. Exactly. <laughs> they just must be quite the family. <laughs> yep. The phone rings. Uh, Ma'am, we know where your son is. Uh, he's in New York City. Uh, he used uh, Peter's credit card to check into the Plaza Hotel. And then they're on their way to New York. They'll be on the first flight. And then Peter says, I wonder if he'd even know enough to go to my brother's place. Aren't they still in Paris? Uh, maybe they have a house sitter. Uh, I thought they were renovating. Now we're at Rob's house and they were renovating. With no way, obvious way into Rob's house, Kevin hits the street and he's confronted by numerous homeless people and some prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, between this and Batman 89, what's with prostitutes coming on to children? I don't get it either. <laughs> and this is one of the other instances. There was smoking in the Angels with Filthy Souls. There was uh, the main character in that was smoking a cigarette. And now both of these women were smoking. And while we were watching, while I was watching Home Alone 1, I noticed that there was no cigarette smoking in that movie. What? Oh, nope, the Santa Claus had a cigarette. That yep. was the only one. But there's way more cigarette smoking in this movie. Um that's just a factor of the 90s. Yep. Even kids' movies had cigarettes. <laughs> gotta hook them young. <laughs> I gotta hook them young. <laughs> so Kevin calls for a cab because he's totally freaked out. And, boy, it's scary out there. It ain't much better in here, kid. <laughs> that used to always scare me as a kid. He, he was scary. Yeah. Like, that's that a scary dude. Uh, contact lens. I feel like I recognize that actor from other stuff at the time, but uh, you think that he was really missing an eye? It's contact lens. Probably right? contact, contact lens. Um, I don't. Oh, Kevin runs out and runs deeper into the park, and he says, I don't want to take a vacation like this ever again. We finally get to meet up with the pigeon lady, though, for real this time. Uh so there was a scene at the end of the movie that was cut uh, where we actually find out her name. So at the end of the movie, she was supposed to be talking to um, a police officer, and they call her Anne. So her oh, name okay. is apparently Anne. Anne the bird lady. Anne the bird lady. Uh, and then, like we said before, we had talked about Brenda Fricker in the previous episode. Uh, she is the pigeon lady. and She's a Scottish actor, right? Scottish, Irish actor. And uh, she was named the 26th greatest Irish actor ever by the Irish Times in 2020. <laughs> yeah, she gave a good performance. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> 
Kevin sees her and freaks out and starts screaming. Uh, Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. That's what Kevin does. He does trap his foot. Sick. Uh, <laughs> sick. He does get his foot trapped, but the bird lady just walks over there without saying anything, because we do learn later that she hasn't talked to anybody in years. Uh, Kevin gets his foot unstuck and runs away, but then realizes the error of his ways and turns around and... Look, I'm sorry I screamed in your face. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, homeless lady that I don't know. I'm Kevin McAllister. Let me just tell you my name. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my life story. <laughs> yep. I can leave if I'm bothering you. Do you want me to leave? And then she finally says, no. Uh, will the birds come back to you? Do you have to call them? Give me your hand. <laughs> okay, homeless lady, here's okay. my hand. <laughs> she puts some bird seed in it. She He tosses all the bird seed in the air, and uh, they all come a-flapping, and she says, uh, they can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin loves it, though. This is great. This is great. This is great. Thanks, Sam. You know, it's pretty cold out. I could sure go for a cup of hot chocolate. How about you? My treat. <laughs> My treat. Oh, that's not weird at all. Sure. Sure, kid. I'll go with you. <laughs> but then Kevin does ask her if they can go someplace warm, and she knows a place. And that happens to be Carnegie Hall. So she regularly sneaks into Carnegie Hall, I guess. Yeah. I guess. And then when he does leave the upstairs, there's like a unblocked stairway that just leads up to an open window yeah uh, okay oh okay then <laughs> okay sure we do finally get a little bit of the pigeon lady's backstory her husband left her and uh she had a breakdown so and then became homeless from a broken heart is like what the movie insinuates but obviously she became homeless from like massive depression from yeah. losing her family yeah she does state that she hasn't talked to anybody uh in years, and then she has some serious trust issues. Uh, Kevin gives her a pep talk because he's good at that. He yeah. loves giving pep talks. What's the point of having a heart if you aren't going to use it? It's just like his rollerblades. Yeah, it's just like my rollerblades. <laughs> and then another great line in this movie from Kevin. Your heart might be broken, but it isn't gone if you're this nice. Like, that's some really good wisdom from a little kid. Yeah, I is. like that a lot. Like that a lot. Uh, Pigeon Lady asks Kevin, why are you running around the streets on Christmas? Did you uh, get into trouble? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Did you know a good deed undoes a bad deed and it works double on Christmas? Oh. <laughs> it does? Of course it does. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Uh, Kevin leaves and sees the star from the children's hospital like a beacon calling to him. He knows what his good deed is going to be, foiling the sticky bandits. He may not have completely like given it, like gotten it at that point, but when he does actually get to the children's hospital and he waves at that kid, I wish Kevin would have gone in and like had a short conversation with that kid or something. something. I, I, that would have been cool. I would have liked that a lot. But he figures it out. You can mess with a lot of things, but you can't mess with kids on Christmas. Thanks, Kevin. Damn right. Damn right. And it's 9 p.m. again. We get to see that clock. So 9 p.m., that's when everything happens in Kevin <laughs> McAllister's world, 9 p.m. We get over to Uncle Rob's, and he climbs up that garbage chute, which is uh, a shot, which is obviously, you know, the tube laid down, and then the orientation is changed, and the shot to make it look like Kevin's climbing up it because it would be impossible to climb up it. That's all right. Right, right, right. <laughs> he climbs that garbage chute. 
He has time to make a multicolored map again uh, and time to set some traps. Uh, it's the same exact music from Home Alone 1, and that's a, a, a reoccurrence in this movie, which is fine. Which I, is fine. Which I is, like it. Yeah. And, you know, I've been saying that a lot of this movie, beat for beat, beat for beat, it's not a bad thing that it's beat for beat with the Home Alone 1, and it doesn't even feel like it was a writing a writing cop-out to me. It feels very no. intentional. Oh, yeah. Like, that was John Hughes's, like, though even when they sleep in, we did it again. Like, yeah. he, he could, they could have said that multiple times during this movie, and that's part of the charm is the the funniness of it happening again to them right. and it's happening almost exactly the same if it way. ain't broke don't fix yeah. it but yep it's time for him to set up those traps again we got the blowtorch we got a staple gun the monster sap soap electrified sinks soaped up ladders precariously perched paint cans toilets full of kerosene and kerosene soaked ropes and plenty of pitfalls yeah. <laughs> uh the traps a plus in a this movie. plus a+. absolutely a plus um, the McAllisters have finally made it to New York and they're at the plaza. Kate can't believe that they left Kevin, that they let Kevin not only check in, but also leave. Hester's uh, excuse was the the boy had a very convincing story. What kind of <laughs> idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best lines of the whole movie. Oh, right? yeah. I like that a lot. Because of you, uh, our child is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. Uh, Kate is going to go look for Kevin, and Peter doesn't really like the idea, and neither does Hector, apparently, right? Yeah. Uh, With all due respect, madam, your son is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. And then Kate says no mugger or murderer would dare to mess with me. She is a mom on a mission. I don't blame her. They really do a lot better job of making Kate seem like she has a lot more urgency in this movie. Definitely. She was very helpless in the first one because she was on a different continent. True. Uh, but we did poke holes in that where she should have probably just tried to rent a car. Yeah. Or even, like, worst comes to worst, I guess it was Christmas Eve. She could have even gone and tried to buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, she is still delusional because how are you going to blame Hector for this whole scenario? Because of you. Okay. No. You left without him, and he wound up on a different plane, but okay. (laughs) Damn it, Hector. She is passing the blame, and I agree with you completely. It is not nearly as much Hector's fault as it is her own fault. Right. (laughs) But of course, you're going to be mad when an adult had your child safely yes and yes, scared him out yes. so i get the frustration but i find it funny that she blames it on him <laughs> it is very true and hector has to say madam there are hundreds of parasites out there armed to the teeth and what? then <laughs> what did the five fingers say to the face <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much just wails do bundle up it's rather cold outside <laughs> and the quivering lip from hector it looks like he's literally about to cry from <laughs> yeah, it. i absolutely yeah. love that oh that's great tim curry i wish I believe Tim Curry had a massive stroke, and that's why we haven't seen much from him. I know he's still alive, but I'm pretty sure I saw him in a wheelchair. So unfortunate that Tim Curry's not really making movies anymore. But uh, uh, what a what a library that guy has! What yeah. a great actor! Absolutely love Tim Curry. I'll say it again. Uh, now it's time for Marv and Harry to grab the cash and dash, and for Kevin to get the ball rolling on his plan to save Christmas for those sick kids. Uh, We get trap number one, that seesaw that he sets up outside the window at Duncan's uh, toy store. Kevin has a note-laden rock and is ready to set off the alarm. You gotta take a picture first, though. You gotta get a little more evidence. Um, Pretty funny. Uh, Marv asks, how'd my hair look? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Kevin says, I guess this is another Christmas in the trenches. Kevin loves it, though. He loves it, he and loves that's a great it. line. It, it gets is you pumped. Line. It is a very good line. 
Kevin throws that brick, setting off the alarm, and Harry and Marv give chase, obviously. The two jump out the window, one after the other, landing on the seesaw in sequence. Marv sends Harry 30-ish feet in the air. Um, Yep. (laughs) 30-ish feet in the air, and when he jumps on the first half of the seesaw, Instead of just stepping off, he turns and yells at Marv to not jump up. <laughs> Why doesn't he just step off? I didn't notice that. That's hilarious. <laughs> he destroys that car, too, by the way, that oh, he lands on. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Marv asks, are you okay? I twisted my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> my other ankle. <laughs> Both my ankles. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, smile, uh, snap, Kevin takes another picture, Marv and Harry give chase again, um, now Kate is at Rob, so she is hot on Kevin's trail, hot on Kevin's trail, well, Kevin's kind of hot on her trail, because she leaves, and then like, seconds behind, seconds later, if she, did she like, look down both ways of the street, because she probably should have seen Kevin running at her, right, she doesn't, which is kind of annoying, she just runs to that taxi, but I'm also... He is incredibly smart. We are succumbing to the fact that Kevin is a genius boy at this point. He's booking it. You telling me he doesn't recognize that's his mom? I know he wouldn't necessarily be looking for her in New York, but he is going to Rob's, which he could understand she would maybe look at, and you telling me he didn't spot her short red hair? And I don't know. Yes, uh, I agree with you. Kevin is Mensa-level intelligence, I would have to say. The kid's a genius, and nobody seems to see it. And yes, he should have been able to spot that blaze red mom cut from a mile away. (laughs) That was like the hardest core of hardcore mom cuts. Oh, yeah. Brought me right back to the 90s with that haircut. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure my mom had that haircut for a good part (laughs) of that decade. (laughs) You are 100% right, though. He should have easily recognized her. Easily. Uh, but now we get uh, one of the more funny parts of the movie right away, uh, the bricks. Oh, my <laughs> God. 100%. So funny to start <laughs> off with these bricks. Harry actually wants to make a, tra- a trade with Kevin. Yeah. Like, you give me the camera and we'll go away. Yeah. Do you think they would have actually gone away? No way. No way, right? No way, no, no way. way, right? No way at all. We're in a hurry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. They would have definitely killed Kevin immediately. Oh, yeah. I guess he could have thrown the camera down to them, but still, they would have gotten in there and tried to kill Kevin. Still. So uh, four bricks later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Four bricks to the face To later. the face. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I really thought that last one was going to hit Harry in the face. Uh, oh, I can't yeah. believe he dodged it. Yeah. He did dodge it, and <laughs> Marv is definitely dead at this point. Definitely <laughs> dead. If he's not dead after that first one, I'm pretty sure the fourth one did it. <laughs> <laughs> Four bricks to the face, and that first one hit him like square dead center in the forehead, if I remember. Yeah. And the best part is that Harry is making this happen. The first one, no, but then, <laughs> hey, kid, you want to throw bricks? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Hits him Go again, ahead. and then... Oh, man, the third brick, and then he says, nobody throws bricks at me and gets away with it after the fourth <laughs> one. He didn't even hit you once. <laughs> Harry should be dead, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marv is definitely showing some wear at this point. Very dizzy, obviously concussed. Uh, the two of them, Harry and Marv, they do split up again, just like in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, this time, uh, Harry goes around back instead of Marv, so... It, was probably the better choice this time. I bet you he did that just because he wanted to do the opposite of last time. Yeah. 
Uh, but we get that staple gun with Marv bit. Hilarious. You got oh one in the God. butt, one in the nuts, and one in the face. One in the face. <laughs> and I love that, like, slow-mo shot, which clearly is what, like, them putting the staple in and then reversing yes. it or something. Yes, yes. But it's great. Yes. Uh, he does make it through that door after destapling himself. And, Harry, I've reached the top. That's some famous last words at that point <laughs> yeah. because uh, he definitely falls into the basement. <laughs> yeah. I love the neck crack that he does as he gets up. Just yep. like, <laughs> and then falls over. <laughs> and then falls over. Uh, Harry at the back door. He's going to try the ladder. That's a no-go because of that uh, soap that's been all lathered up on those rungs. Right. He tests the doorknob. He's thinking ahead. He tests it. Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> Test that doorknob. Uh, but there's a better trap. It's that uh, bag full of spanners. Just going <laughs> to just fall. Just Yeah, that's uh, that definitely would have left him uh, concussed. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's pretty genius the way that that trap uh, actually worked out. I really like the way. Because I... This was the first when I watched this movie for the podcast. The first time that I had seen the movie in years, sure. And a lot of the stuff was pretty new for me. Sure, there was points where I was like, "Oh yes, this is what's going to happen yet next." Oh yes, this is what's going to happen next. But a lot of the end sequence was like, "Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah." <laughs> so I really liked that bit. That was one of my uh, more favorite traps of the movie. Uh, Marv's in the basement. He stands up, looks up. Wow, what a hole! What a hole! <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Very great. Uh, then he assesses the. Situation and spots a rope, uh, but happens to miss the large pile of green soap. Slips and falls hard. Slides into the shelving unit, uh, full of paint, mostly defying the laws of physics. And all that paint falls on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now covered in paint, Marv spots the sink and thinks, "Well, I'm gonna go get cleaned up." <laughs> nope. <laughs> Electrocuted. Uh, this was easily the most uh, cartoonish part of the movie because, I mean, he turns into a skeleton. Which is hilarious. It is hilarious. It's so funny. It is hilarious. And it uh, doesn't seem it doesn't seem out of place. Like, it's, no. it's a, it works with the movie. The whole, I mean, even instances like when he's getting stapled, there's like boing, boing. Yeah, like yeah. Sound effects, like cartoonish sound effects. And intentional choices, I'm sure, made by the director to lighten it up make it a little bit more zany and yeah. crazy yeah which is great I it works it. perfect it does work perfect harry's inside now too and is uh carefully testing all of the pro- pole chain lights yeah, <laughs> yeah. i like that uh, pulls it uh, get out of the, pulls it gets out of the way pulls it gets out of the way uh but finally after testing like five of them right yeah uh the real trap actually is there in the bathroom yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he lights himself on fire, which his poor head. Uh, you, he was legit on fire in this one. You can, oh, sure. you can see his his hat that he's wearing is slightly different than the hat that he's wearing in the rest of the movie. It's yeah. like a hard helmet almost. And yeah, the way he's like staying perfectly still while he's you know not moving. His neck. <laughs> right. So it, he was really on fire at that point. So that, that was pretty cool. Way to go, Joe Pesci. I like that. Really going for the stunt. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be comfortable with having my head lit on fire for a movie. Probably not. And, I guess there's probably somebody standing feet away from you with a uh, with a fire extinguisher, but uh, if your head's on fire, it's still going to be like a couple of seconds before yeah. you get saved. So I can't imagine, and I can't imagine being sprayed in the face and head with a fire extinguisher yeah. is a pleasant experience. No. <laughs> Uh, but good thing for Harry, there's a toilet full of kerosene in that <laughs> <bathroom>. <laughs> Why does he do a handstand? I don't know. Huh? 
It uh-huh. looks so unnatural. Why would you do a handstand? Why would you do a handstand? Nobody would ever do that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Definitely a bad idea either way. And the home explodes. At least that room explodes. And there was no reaction from Marv about the room. Ex- like, wouldn't he scream, what the hell was that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No neighbor comes out. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, that, that's another thing. I re- I can believe that everybody on the McAllister's block was gone for Christmas. Right, right, right. I can't believe that everybody in New York City was gone for Christmas. No, no, no. <laughs> Unless this is a block of renovation homes I or something. I mean, maybe. That, I guess that's possible. Finally, though, uh, after being electrocuted, Marv makes it to that rope. Um, it happens to be tied to a 100-pound bag of cement. He tests it a couple of times, right? But, yeah. You know, finally puts his whole body weight on it, and he gets uh, clobbered by it. Yeah. Stands up easily and says he's going to murder that kid. Yeah. Way to go. 100-pound bag of flour. <laughs> was it flour? It was flour, oh. yeah. I just assumed it was cement, I guess, because of it being in a construction site. Yeah. I, just, I didn't even, yeah, I just assumed Wh- it was. Which is, would make way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is there a hundred pound bag of flour there? I don't know. But. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Rob's a big baker. His yeah. Wa- his oh, wife, yes. His yes, wife yes. is French. Maybe she loves making croissants. 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 <laughs> There's a theory. I guess. I mean, then it makes a little bit of sense. She makes large batches of croissants. And and what's the word from Great British Bake Off? Patisserie, right? Patisserie. Patisserie. Yeah, she makes large uh, baths. And shoe pastry. She loves shoe pastry. Shoe pastry. (laughs) If it doesn't turn out good, she's absolutely gutted. (laughs) Absolutely gutted. (laughs) Oh, the Brits. Gotta love the Brits. Uh, Marv makes a tower of garbage and escapes the basement. Uh, Kevin climbed up the pre-cut ladder to the second floor, and Harry falls victim to said ladder. Uh, (laughs) That's a really, really hard fall, and it was on his face that time. Yeah. (laughs) I wish... A little bit of blood from the sticky bandits would have made the severity of these uh, traps a little bit more believable. Right, right. Maybe some bruises. I guess you do see those bruises from the bricks, and then you get a little bit of a burnt to top of the head again from uh, Harry, but yeah. a little bit of blood. A just little a, tiny bit. A bloody nose. That's all I wanted. Hey, why don't you guys use the stairs? <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> oh, this is a great scene. It really is. Um, credit to the Sticky Bandits. They're at least wise to Kevin's plan. Yeah. Partially, at least. Partially. And they fake going up the stairs. We get can one. Then Marv fakes going up the stairs. We get can two. And then, of course, there is the iron pipe. The iron pipe. <laughs> they think that they're in the clear and... Uh, oh, there's number three, and then they get knocked into the basement by getting, yeah, that cast iron pipe, man. The pipe to the face the pipe. hit the back of your head on the paint cans that are sitting there, yep. and then he snips the iron pipe, <laughs> and it lands on them when they're in there. Uh, that is brutal, Kevin. Oh, Brutal. <laughs> and then we get that tool chest going down the stairs. Yeah. Gotta love that. Uh, what's that sound? <laughs> Nothing good. I mean, you know, that's what Lauren said. At this point in the movie, you know it isn't good. 100% you know it isn't good. And they put their ears up to the door and just wait. Hmm. What, what is that sound? What? What is that sound? Well, that sound was a tool chest falling down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in the realm of all the impossible things that happen in this movie, that's got to be near the top, right? That mm-hmm. tool chest mm-hmm. falls two steps in and just maybe makes it down there, but 
It certainly doesn't wheel down perfectly upright, knock all the tools out of the drawers, and then still have the weight to push two humans all the way to the back. You're right. It would have been way more believable if it would have fallen straight down and then on the doors, so then it stayed fully loaded, full full of the tools for extra weight, and then just slid quickly down the stairs on its face. It still would have taken down the door. But, I mean, it is funnier the way they do it because it it's more dramatic. And like you said, what's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> and it is with the way the door comes off and smashes them perfectly. And then they like both have broken noses. And yeah. The simultaneous crack to set them back. I mean, very Looney Tune-ish, very cartoonish. Yeah, it's yeah. a great gag. It's it's for the kids. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. Um, we get some more rope time. They love rope in this movie. And yeah. In the first movie. Yeah. They love rope. Big they rope guys. Rope. <laughs> Big rope guys. You ever listen to Longmount Potion Castle in the early 2000s, late 90s? Uh-uh. It was this dude that would uh, make prank calls. And wherever he was making prank calls from, it was on like the early internet, like uh, E-bombs world way back then. And uh, wherever he was located, he'd have to have the beeping going while he was recording phone calls for legal reasons in his state. Like if you if it's like a single consent state, you don't have to tell him double consent state you do have to tell him or you have to have like a beeping but there was this whole bit where he called this old dude and he wanted to move some rope or something i don't remember the exact specifics but that beeping was going on in the background and uh, the dude goes what is that beeping noise and the guy just goes uh it's some rope <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing ever man Longmount potion castle do yourself a favor look it up <laughs> Over here, you horse's ass. <laughs> uh, suck brick. Kevin easily dodges the easily bricks. Dodge. Easily dodges suck the brick. brick, kid. <laughs> um, they start climbing down that rope to get Kevin. Kevin obviously lights the rope. Uh, they both have gloves on, so why not bite the bullet, slide down the rope, maybe get a little bit of burns? Instead of falling. Instead of falling. Three stories, four stories, yeah, whatever it was. Way too many stories. <laughs> Harry, are you wearing aftershave? <laughs> no, it's kerosene. Rope <laughs> soaked. Oh, man, that's great. Uh,. To add insult and injury, though, after they do fall, I guess without them falling, they wouldn't have busted through the the planks down there. They get covered in varnish. Varnish. Yeah, varnish. I, I Varnish is a sticky substance. But it's not sticky for like twenty five minutes. I don't know. Like yeah. It just seems. It, I wish it would have been something different than varnish. It works. It works. It works. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Kevin calls nine one one. The guys that rob the rob the Duncan's toy chest are in Central Park. Look for the fireworks. They have a gun. He uses his real voice in that one, right? I guess it's New York. Right. He, I guess it's New York City. So the police are probably like, "All right, that's not the weirdest thing that I've heard tonight." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin, trying to lure the sticky bandits to Central Park, slips and falls and is captured by Harry and Marv. Uh. I guess I don't really like that he slipped and fell on that ice. I don't either. I wish I I get it. He he can be captured because it's what happened in the last movie. But a little bit more of a believable. Even if he would have just like tripped over the curb, you know, yeah. or something like that. But the ice thing, he should have seen it coming. He's from a northern climate. He understands that ice is slippery. Yeah. I mean, he could have dropped down his down to his knees and slid for a yes, quarter mile. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was just gonna say too. Yeah, I notice how he's a classic kid. He doesn't look both ways before he crosses True. the street. He just books it and barely dodges this bus. 
And then, yeah, how epic would have that been if he drops to his knees and just slides across, <laughs> and then they come and slip and fall? Yes. Like, come on. Yes, and this was an instance of me being like, oh, they're going to fall on that ice. And yep. I was like, oh, wait, no, it was Kevin was falling Kevin. on the ice. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, but now with Kevin, Kevin, Harry, and Marv are all together. Let's go for a little stroll in the park. They get the pictures. They That's all they get from him. They don't get the actual audio tape from Kevin. They just get the pictures. At least I don't see the... Yeah, they just get the pictures from mm-hmm. Kevin. Uh, and Harry pulls out his goopy gun, which is obviously not going to fire. Obviously. <laughs> and the pigeons have started to appear. Yeah. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Harry, what's with all the pigeons? <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> Let him go. Kevin, run. And here comes the bird seed. Marv and Harry are overwhelmed by the birds. Uh, gotta love that Marv scream. Oh, my God. Gotta Best love one. that Marv scream. Uh, Daniel Stern was quoted as saying that that scene really sucked. Um, he said pigeons were going into his mouth during that scene. Oh, so that's, man. That's gross. Right. I so the scream was real. The scream was but, real I mean, this time. I already knew it was real, yes. but I mean, the terror was real. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that the terror was probably very real. <laughs> it would have scared the crap out of me. I realize it's just pigeons, but I definitely don't want to be covered by a couple hundred pigeons. No, not at all. Not even the tiniest part of just me. Just thinking about that seems like I'm going to get some sort of disease. Yeah. <laughs> a pigeon? Okay, okay. Sure, sure. A hundred? No. No, thank you. Uh, Kevin lights those fireworks, and the cops are on their way. Thanks, cops. Thanks, cops. Uh, Marvin and Harry get busted. Uh, the pictures, the tape of all their plans, but uh, Marv can't help but spill the beans even further. Uh, he made us hide out in the store so we could steal all the kitties' charity money. <laughs> Shut up, Marv. <laughs> uh, he's a little cranky. We just broke out of prison a few days ago. Shut up, Marv. <laughs> Hey, if this makes the papers, remember, we're no longer the wet bandits. We're the sticky bandits. <laughs> That's S T. <laughs> and then the cop has to say, I, I. <laughs> uh, Marv and Harry should get back together and make a spinoff. Seriously, there something. There should have been one. They could have made a pretty comedy-filled movie with them in prison. Oh, 100%. I mean, you could have done a similar thing with them. Maybe they were on the other side of it and they were laying traps for the other prisoners. Yeah. Or maybe they laid traps for the guards. Like they took uh, an, uh, a page from Kevin's book and escaped from prison by doing all types of crazy traps. That would have been great. And then they could it. have a visitor and it could be Kevin. It could be Kevin. Oh, man. Because I was trying to think of, obviously, <laughs> you can't make... Well, there already was a Home Alone 3, but you can't do four at this point with technology and Kevin being older. Right. But I'm like, how can they get these three in a movie together again? I think you just found there it. There you go. They should have been doing some jail pranks where they learned from Kevin how to screw with people and then just bring Kevin in as a small cameo talking crap to them on the other side of the glass. I like it. And it could be like set in modern. It could be set in 2022. Yeah. Like they've been in prison for 30 years. So John Hughes, um, we are the Overdue Homework Podcast. (laughs) We'll take all the credit for that, and we'll split it 50-50. R.I.P. John Hughes. (laughs) R.I.P. John Hughes. John Hughes' lineage. Yes. to you. (laughs) Yes, please. We will split it (laughs) 50-50. Yeah. 
but now we're back at Duncan's Toy Store. Uh, the note from Kevin, some added heart. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, shoehorned in the heart because it's all about the gags in this movie. But that's okay. I like the heart. It's super believable. I love the way Christopher Columbus shoots those scenes. I love the way he shoots this whole movie. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Um, we get Kate looking for Kevin. She talks to the police. Uh, the only reason for this scene is to make Kate look better in comparison to the first movie. Agreed. That's it. I mean, this is another instance of there was no... She, they could have just had her a five-second clip of her walking through Central Park, or not Central Park, Times Square. Kevin! Kevin! Have you seen my kid? And that could have been it. There was no need for that uh, yeah. conversation because there was no need for that conversation with the police. Um her reaction, though, in the scene is more realistic. You know, like she acts way more like how somebody would actually act in this in that situation. Uh, either way, she figures out where Kevin's gone. Obviously, uh, we need to go to Rockefeller Center because of the Christmas tree. Of course. Uh, good thing, though, the cops are there actually because they give her a ride to Rockefeller Center. Hop in, they say. Come on, hop on yeah, in. Come on. Come on, hop on in. It's Christmas. <laughs> and she was right. That's exactly where Kevin is. Uh, lots of heart in this. Great reunion with mother and son. How did you know where I was? Uh, well, I know you like Christmas trees, and this is the biggest one around. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, I would really love to go there and see that Christmas tree someday. Yeah, I agree. It'd be a lot of fun. But now we're back at the uh, hotel with the rest of the McAllisters at the Plaza Hotel. Um how did all those presents get in there before, without waking anybody else up? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Another allusion to the fact that uh, Mr. Duncan may be Santa Claus. Yeah, there you go. I yeah. guess. Even Wait. though, I mean, they show the truck uh, unloading the unloading the packages. Right, but we know Cedric wasn't in there all sneaky. No, he, no. no, he was not. Uh, Kevin gets the, we finally, we finally get some like legitimate real Big Brother stuff from Buzz in this scene though. Yeah. And like Buzz is actually can actually be a human being cuz Right, right. Any experience we have with him over these two films up to this scene is him just being a complete jerk. Yeah. The whole time. That's the whole time. The only speed he has is ass. <laughs> <laughs> Full on ass. But the scene still always bothers me because even though he has that speech and then Kevin grabs the present he barely tears into it and everyone else rips their present in. Yeah. He doesn't even open it. You don't even see what he gets. Nope. You don't see what any of them get. Nope, but. you don't. Uh, yeah, and at that moment, Kevin leaves. Right. And nobody notices again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't even think about that. He just disappears again. No one gives a crap. <laughs> I understand that they're all distracted by being in New York, all this giant stuff that happened from... From Chicago to Florida to New York. Now they're in one of the most expensive hotels in the nation. They got all these presents. Yeah. But the person that you were looking for for the last three or four days left. And you didn't notice. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) On Christmas morning. I can get all the siblings because they're all gung-ho about the gifts. But there is no way that Kate lets him disappear again. Uh, So basically, though... They he does disappear because we have to see the pigeon lady again. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Kevin gives her the turtle dove, and you know, it's very appropriate. Who else would he have given the turtle dove to? Yeah, it's the obvious answer. Obviously. The obvious answer. Um, they're friends forever now, and that's great. Yeah. And uh, I won't forget you. Trust me. That's Trust a great me. line. That's a great line. Uh, did Kevin just teach her to love again? I think so. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> 
And then we get Mr. McAllister's room service bill. Uh, more gum for the tip. Nice family. Nice family. <laughs> Kevin, you spent $967 for room service. <gasps> Uh, it seems like not a lot of money, but uh, thanks to usinflationcalculator.com, that is a total of $2,054.92 today. That is a significant amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that Kevin did hear it from Central Park. I like that a lot. Yeah, I got that's a crazy. Out of that. And roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> for real this time. For real this time. That, that movie is great. It's, Absolutely it's great. It's great. You want to hit me with some final opinions, Trav? I, like I said in the last one, I do think this one is better. I just love the pranks cranked up. I love Marv's game is amped up, and I've just always been intrigued by New York. So something with that, the fact that I've never been there, and you get that real kid perspective of being in New York, and yeah, it's just awesome movie. It definitely is a great movie. The depiction of New York in 1992 is pretty accurate. Um, it was, you know, getting to the point where. Uh, it was becoming more family friendly, but he is walking down the street right in, in a in a good part of town where Rob lives, and there are homeless people everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. And Rob lives in Paris and has a home in New York that he's renovating. Yeah, he's got some money. He's got some serious money. <laughs> so it is a reflection of what New York was at the time. You know, kind of a little bit of the gritty dirtiness from the seventies and eighties, and getting more family friendly in the nineties. Um, but I had said that Home Alone One was by and far my favorite of these two movies. And after watching this a few times, it's way more neck and neck. Sure. I appreciate different things about the two of them. Um, Home Alone 1 is more realistic, if you can use that term for it, because it is ultra unrealistic. Right. Um, it's got a lot more heart. feels a lot more warm. It feels more Christmassy. That I'll agree with. I was um, going to say that. One feels like more of a Christmas movie. Right. Christmas, it, yeah, two feels more like it takes place at Christmas. Like, this one feels... More like a Christmas movie because it's a sequel to a Christmas movie. If Home Alone 2 was the first one, it wouldn't give you as much Christmas vibes. Agreed. Oh, agreed. That is a good point. Agreed. Um, but it's this movie is going to be in my rotation. I say that a lot about these movies because yeah. I'm getting you know a lot of appreciation for these movies that we watch. But I'm sad that I haven't watched it more. And I can't wait to watch it again and again. Again and again. Again and again I and will again. for sure be watching it on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's, that's what great. I do every year. That's great. Do you watch Home Alone 1 or just Home Alone 2? Home Alone 1 on Christmas Eve ah. and Home Alone 2 on Christmas Day. That's a good tradition. I just may steal that. There you go. <laughs> got I got to work in a, 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 a Christmas story, right? Christmas story? Christmas also, story. Yeah, Christmas yeah. story. I got to work that into. All right. Let's head on over to that uh, homework assignment. We are going to be hitting up some Nicktoons again. Well, a single Nicktoon. Well, it's not even a Nicktoon. It's a Nickelodeon. Show. There we go. <laughs> it's a live action show. Is that yes. what they're called? Yes. Oh, live yes. action. Uh, and because uh, this is our Christmas episode, uh, this next episode is going to be our New Year's episode. So we are doing The Adventures of Pete and Pete, an episode called New Year's Pete, directed by Adam Bernstein, written by Will McRobb, and its original release, release date was January 2nd, 1993. And Pete and Pete is starring Big Pete, Pete Wrigley, uh, star, uh, and Pete and Pete is starring Big Pete, <laughs> and it is starring Pete Wrigley, who is Big Pete, who is uh, played by Michael Morona, Little Pete, who is 
Pete Wrigley, Little Pete, is Danny Tamborelli, and of course his tattoo Petunia. Uh, Joyce <laughs> Wrigley is uh, played by Judy Graff, and that, and also Mom's Plate. Can't forget about Mom's Plate. Uh, Donald Don Wrigley is uh, Hardy Rawls, and Ellen Josephine Hickel is played by Allison Finelli, and then of course Artie, the strongest man in the world, played by Toby Huss. Um, you can find this on DVD or YouTube. Mm, that's it. It's not on Paramount Plus. Nope. 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 <laughs> so that's it. Uh, it's Disney or YouTube. The full episode is on YouTube. Um, excuse me. DVD, uh, DVD or DVD YouTube. or YouTube. So if you happen to own it on DVD, please watch it. I don't own it, so I'm going to be watching it on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to do that one. It's going to be fun. I am, too. I haven't watched any Pete and Pete in a long time. Me neither. It's been a very long time. That was one of those, because it was uh, originally, like, little tiny segments in between, like, commercial breaks, you know, so they were really quick minute, two-minute episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, then when it became the whole series, I um, absolutely loved that show. Oh, loved so it. good. And the older Pete is the one who's in Home Alone. Yes, correct. Thank yeah. you for saying that. All right, well time to get to our email section of the show so our first email comes from tim curry's duffel bag wants <laughs> to know what was your favorite christmas gift growing up uh well uh, probably my playstation i remember being super duper excited when i got the playstation and i got a couple of games i got road rash with it i got road rash got frogger and what was the other game? I know I got three games, but I can only think of the two. But I remember that being a really big Christmas, getting oh, the yeah. PlayStation. It was you know right around that time when you get to that age where you really want cool stuff. You yeah. don't want a whole bunch of little stuff. You want one or two more expensive things. Right. And I just remember being super duper excited about that. It was Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Car and Drivers Need for Speed. There we go. Not a Top Gun reference. No. How about you? I uh, actually put the same exact thing. That PlayStation so 1. I just remember that being epic. And clearly my dad must have like coordinated it with other people in the family because he got me the PlayStation with no games. But it came with that demo disc that had multiple yeah, games. Yeah. But then when I went to the rest of the Christmas, my one grandma got me Final Fantasy VII. Nice. And I got multiple games right away. So yeah, that was a very epic Christmas in the Kanakowitz household. This is how epic it was for us, too. My aunt was there for Christmas that year in Man- here in Mankato, and even she sat down to play Need for Speed. She's like, that I got to play this. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, next email here comes from right in the schnoz. Wants to know, other than Home Alone, what is your favorite movie of yours that has Joe Pesci or Daniel Stern in it? So favorite Joe Pesci for sure is Goodfellas. Right? He's in Goodfellas? Yep. Yep, Goodfellas, for sure. Never uh, seen it. No, that's a good one. Have you seen Casino? No. Okay. I was wondering, because usually, like, that's the big thing, is between Casino and Goodfellas. Which sure. one do you like more? And it usually falls to whichever one you saw first. Yeah. But yeah. I really like Joe Pesci in uh, in uh, in uh, Goodfellas. And then Daniel Stern. Favorite Daniel Stern movie? Um, I, I guess I would have to probably say Home Alone. Um, he was really good in Bushwhacked. I'm drawing a blank on anything else that he was in right now. Um, You'll remember when I say mine. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He was in Workaholics for a little while. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I've watched some of that. Yeah. That's funny. He was pretty good in that one. Too. So I actually haven't seen Joe Pesci in anything else because I haven't seen Goodfellas oh, sure, or anything. Sure, sure, sure. 
Um, but I put City Slickers. Oh, for City Slickers! I know I watched that so much as a kid. I couldn't tell you too much of the movie now, but that's yeah. definitely one we're going to have to do eventually because it's great. And the sequel, City Slickers 2, Curly's Gold. Curly's <laughs> Gold. <laughs> uh, next one here comes from Little Trout Sniffer wants to know, if we ever had any of those little handheld games that were just one specific game growing up, like it looked like a DS, but it was just one game on there. Like the Tiger ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had an Aladdin one, and then I also had a Tiger Mortal Kombat, which just sucked. Just sucked. The Aladdin one was playable. Um, I know I had a couple more, but those two are the two that are really sticking out to me. I had Aladdin, I had Mortal Kombat, and then there was, I think I had another, like, oh, a Skater Die. Skater Die was the other nice. one. Yeah, those were, you know, that was before I got the Game Boy, but that's what I played on my trips to Fargo before I got right. the Game Boy. Right. Was that and beep doop beep, beep doop beep. beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those games. I put down, I had an X-Men one. Nice. And then Sonic, and I can't remember if it was Sonic 3 specifically or what, but I remember... Both of them were fun, but I think Sonic was more playable than X-Men. Yeah, that's the thing with those games. You could get one, and it would just be unplayable. Yeah. You just couldn't play it. It just, it was, yeah. And I think they're having, like, a resurgence, because I've seen a couple at uh, GameStop now, like a Spider-Man one. Like, new ones? New ones, I I believe. I know I've seen on eBay people buying and selling the old ones, and for the prices that I've seen for them, I kind of wish I would have kept the ones I had. Yeah, seriously. I guarantee you the batteries, the AA batteries just got got left in them for years and so it just got completely corroded oh yeah for sure and probably coming out of the back of the battery (laughs) case so i probably just chucked them in the garbage growing a new one yeah for sure um so last email here is again a question for me and it's actually the same question as last time what is your favorite prank of home alone 2 and your favorite marv scream which we might have answered the marv (laughs) scream uh favorite marv scream is with the birds because it's the iconic marv scream iconic love that scream he really goes for it you can kind of hear the echo in the park so that's why i kind of thought for sure that it was a legit doesn't care about scaring the pigeons i guess didn't want to scare that uh, spider but he doesn't care about about scaring the pigeons and then my favorite prank i think even though it's the probably the most unrealistic one is i like the build-up to the kerosene explosion because i think it's hilarious him trying those lights even though it wasn't him that took the right that, that, that took the iron to the face he's trying those lights and trying those lights i really like the build-up to that one. yeah i agree i like that a lot so obviously agree with the marv scream i used to think it was when he turns into the skeleton because ah, i yeah. i do love that but and you know, I'd probably say that used to be my favorite prank, but now I just rewatching this, I couldn't get over the bricks. The four <laughs> bricks is, is just amazing, and the best part is that they only keep getting tossed because Harry is a cocky asshole, <laughs> and he doesn't take any of the bricks. It's just Marv that taking them. That is good. Him. That did get some legit laughter out of me when he's taking those bricks to the face. I yeah. did like that also. That's all bricks got. <laughs> uh, but that wraps up emails for this episode. Um so make sure you email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and Instagram and Facebook, Overdue Homework Podcast. And make sure everybody has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.